When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com the only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Old rivalries renewed in the Premier League this weekend. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, they say. Highly unlikely as after 16 years away, two adversaries from either side of the Pennines meet in a top flight game. Manchester United play Leeds United at Old Trafford and West Brom too have a Midlands rivalry to contest. The struggling baggies have rolled the Allardyce this week after Bilic got the boot. It's Jose Mourinho's Tottenham Ponies against Brendan Rodgers' Leicester Foxes too in a tantalising top four tussle. And Mikel Arteta needs an Italian job to turn things around at Arsenal. He'll come face to face with Everton's own this weekend too in what's sure to be an exciting pre-Christmas programme. I'm Niall McCorn. This is Football Social Daily, of course, previewing all the weekend's Premier League action. And alongside me to do it, we've got journalist Pete Hall. How are you doing, Pete? Hello, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good, mate. Good to speak to you. Good to have you back on the podcast. And also joining us, we've got Ant McGinley, who, uh, who's a dance DJ these days. How are you, Ant? Yeah, I, I just seem to have a different job every time we come, come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. You are, honestly, you are a man who, in the face of adversity in the year 2020, when people have been struggling left, right and centre, you've managed to do every single job under the face of the sun, which is unbelievable. But seeing as you now are uh, hosting the dance show, I wanted to ask you, if this season so far was a dance tune, what one do you think it would be? Oh my God. <laughs> it would be it'd be one of those ones that you kind of go, this is different, and you're not sure if you like it or not. You know, it just comes <laughs> in and you kind of go, and, and then very quickly becomes annoying. Basically, one of those holiday records that in the club at the time, you're kind of going, yes, I love this, I'm having it. And then you get home, you play it to your mates, and they're all like, this is awful, and you feel really embarrassed. And then, yeah, basically that. It's, it's, it's that summer hit that comes back to haunt you. <laughs> 
Can I make a suggestion, Niall? I, I think I think this year, twenty twenty, very much zombie nation. I think is the uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is the track because it's a German tune as well. So I guess with Jurgen Klopp leading the way with Liverpool, that fits pretty nicely. Of course, Klopp seamless, absolutely seamless segue to perfection there from Pete Hall. Of course, Jurgen Klopp won the <laughs> FIFA Men's Coach of the Year award, didn't he? Uh, earlier this mm-hmm. week, uh, Marcelo Bielsa was also shortlisted, although he didn't win the top prize. And it is with Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United, which is where we're going to start today on this preview show here on Football Social Daily. They take on Manchester United, 4.30pm kickoff on Sunday. I tell you what, you're a Manchester United fan, Pete. This is a fixture which everyone's been absolutely buzzing for since Leeds got promoted to the Premier League. It's not a rivalry between United uh, and Leeds like the one we see between United and City or Manchester United and Liverpool, but certainly there is a real desire for both sides to go out and win this game on Sunday. Oh yeah, it's huge. It's been a long time coming. Six, I mean, aside from the odd uh, cup match, it's 16 years in, in the in the making. This it's 16 mm. years since since United have played Leeds in the league. Uh, Alan Smith was still playing for Leeds in that last game. Um, mm. you know, that's how long ago it was. Um, much has changed. Um, <laughs> and Leeds is fall from grace, deprived uh, deprived us of this great. This is it's one of the the fixtures in English football because. It's a it's a rivalry that does transcend football. It's a, it's a rivalry mm. between two counties, uh, with two a, huge clubs. Yeah, two huge clubs um, who've, be, who've both been successful in different eras, um, and it's it's a rivalry that has, that has lasted the, at the test of time. And, and it's great to see it back. And now it's it's normally when a team comes up and and they're playing one of their old rivals. It's it's the first season back in the Premier League. It's gonna it's gonna be a tough one, you know, because first season back in the Premier League. Your main aim is to mm. stay up, but this is a very, very different Leeds team, and and when we with Manchester United, you don't know what team's going to turn up, so it's, it's it literally is anyone's game at Old Trafford on Sunday. Yeah, it's a really good point, and one that we were kind of discussing before we started recording the podcast, just briefly. Um, Leeds, they're still such a dangerous proposition, despite the fact that they've shown patchy and erratic form in the Premier League so far this season. You know, they went and beat Newcastle United 5-2 midweek and, and looked absolutely brilliant for the last 20 minutes of that game. But then they've also turned in some poor performances this season, which is unusual for a Marcelo Bielsa side. And then I was saying, as I just mentioned before the show, Manchester United Ant are like Jekyll and Hyde. You don't know what you're going to get with them. So, I mean... All the ingredients this match with the absence of the game in the top flight 16 years as Pete says and both sides you don't really know what you're going to get. The ingredients for what should be a really exciting game. You say Jekyll and Hyde but that opening five minutes especially for Dean Henderson was very much Laurel and Hardy because that was just <laughs> he, you know he's he's really going to feel that one especially you know after the team that he, he pulled in so many great performances for last season and he was mm. you know possibly you know it, it could be argued that's is that one of the reasons why uh, Sheffield United haven't uh, done as well this season um but yeah it, it, going back to this game um when when I when I first started going to watch games live um it was the season that Leeds won the old first division they were the big club they were huge, and mm. um, you know, and uh, but it was always even then it was still always about United. United were the the contenders for it, and one of the very first games I went to uh, was about five games from the end of the season at Main Road, and City beat Leeds four 0 It was incredible. It was just like I, you know, I, I I didn't know any better really. I thought we could play like this every week, but I had the ultimate City experience in that game 
were four nil up and then five minutes from time entirety of main road fall silent as we suddenly realize we've practically handed the league to united (laughs) (laughs) Um, but then we managed to get a draw with them in midweek and uh, Leeds got it over the line but you you know what here's a prediction for you i've been watching watching them all season with interest and one of the things that bielsa does is bielsa really drills his players he really makes them work hard I, i can't remember what he calls it but he does this thing when they're when they're training so that they're training at such intensity when they actually play the games the games feel less intense than training in terms of physically and in this season where you know we still haven't again that the, we've had the premier league meeting today and 10 teams voted against it so we're still on those three substitutes being able to brought brought into the game the fitness and the intensity of the team that's on the pitch is going to count for so much and i think this is a bold claim i think we're going to see leeds continue to climb up the table and have more games like they mm. did against newcastle united simply because of that fitness and that intensity that they're used to which i don't think the other squads are and so i think mm. leeds are really in the ascendancy and uh, i'm i'm not a crazy bielsa fanboy like uh, a lot of people seem to be i relatively know, know very little about him i i do like what i've seen of him I like what's happened at Leeds. I like seeing the back in because, as Pete said, it's such a big name and such a big team. And the the only disappointment was that that game the other night and this game against Man United is going to be in an empty stadium because can you just imagine the noise? Just even mm-hmm. as a neutral, I would love to be in that environment. Yeah, well, I was at a, an FA Youth Cup game at Old Trafford in February where Manchester United played Leeds United under-18s. And it was a it was a game that was free to the public, obviously pre-pandemic. Leeds took fifteen hundred fans <laughs> for an FA Youth Cup game to Old Trafford. Um, fifteen hundred Leeds fans, and there was only four thousand five hundred in attendance in the whole of Old Trafford. So, um, I don't think you need any reminders if you're a Leeds fan how much this game would mean to you as a supporter. The fact it's at Old Trafford, Pete, and Manchester United have been so good on the road. I think they've broken records, haven't they, for mm-hmm. their victories on the road? Ten in a row now after beating Sheffield United midweek. Would that be of any concern to Manchester United fans, the home form and that, you know, we say how dangerous Leeds can be, but again, it's on their own patch that Manchester United have found difficulty in the Premier League this season. Yeah, it's, it's, it's massive. I'd much rather be Ellen Road than, than Old Trafford, which is mad, really. I mean, 10, 10 going back into last season, 10 away league games in a row that United have won is an incredible record at any, yeah. at any level, at any, um, regardless of, of who it is. Um, but then you, you've normally, if somebody's winning ten games in a row away from home, you expect them to be riding high at the top of the league. But the home form is what is what's let United down, and they've been, mm. and they're not. And it's not just the results as well. They've been really, really poor at, at home. Even the victory that they got against West Brom was very, very lucky. I mean, West Brom outplayed United for for much of that, um, and it needed one of those sweet, sweet Bruno Fernandez penalties that. United have had quite a few of in in the in the last uh, in the last eighteen months, uh, in the last twelve months. Sorry, but um, it's goals at home that's the problem. United have, have not scored more than one goal in any of the last seven home Premier League matches, which is mm. long. Which is as long as they've gone without um, scoring more than one goal since nineteen twenty. Wow. I mean, it's it's an, it's an incredible stat and. Yes, I think fans, you know, fans being in the ground would make a difference. So, yeah, obviously, when you, with a ground of that size, but it's not like United have played all the big hitters. 
you know, you're, t- you're talking about West Broms, you're talking about the Palaces that have that have come to Old Trafford and United haven't scored more than one goal against. So um, mm. Leeds, in a way, the, given how open they are um, and how much they like to attack, not regardless of the opposition, might work in United's favour because United have been too tentative at home in, in games and, and if Leeds are going to come out all guns blazing, which we, we all know they're going to, and they're going to take the game to United. They're not going to sit back. It might actually work in mm. United's favour if they go toe-to-toe with them. So it, it makes for a, a, a really exciting game, but one that's absolutely impossible to predict. It's a good point because, I mean, you look against Sheffield United, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said that, you know, Manchester United played well and Paul Pogba played really well, I thought, as well. Um mm-hmm. But they make it difficult for themselves, is what he said, Pete. He said that, you know, we're good, but we just make it harder for ourselves than we need to. Um, And then, of course, after the game, with this game in hand that Manchester United have too, if they win that and Liverpool continue to keep up their form, they could end up only two points behind Liverpool if when all the games are level. So, you know, people have been starting throwing around title challenges in Manchester United's (laughs) direction. I wanted to ask you first how on board you are with that notion and secondly is Solskjaer's worry about them making it difficult for themselves a reason possibly why they won't go the distance I was at the game at Bramall Lane and the last 10 minutes from United's point of view were absolutely horrendous they were all over the place and another five minutes and they would have they would have conceded Um, they needed Henderson made a horrific error in the first five minutes but he bailed them out late on with a brilliant save Mm. um, from Lise Mousset um, but it was little things like there was a, a, an ex, a, an example was of, of how the just the heads aren't aren't in the right place at the moment amid all the chaos. When if you're so bad at home and so good away from home, it's going to mess with your head a bit, and it doesn't. The, the there's no stability uh, in the team. And there was one instance at, at Bramall Lane where they had a, a free kick. There was I think there was less than a minute left, and it was just you know to put it in the corner. And Alex Teller just comes and just belts it straight out of play. <laughs> Uh, five meters ahead of him, and a ball boy throws another ball on, and, and and it's back on the attack within five seconds. And it was just, just so many decisions like that just show that United mentally are not where they need to be if they are going to make a title challenge. Um, I'm, I think United have. I'm on board in the fact that I think United have the ability to to mount a title challenge, especially in forward areas. I think United's front three. Throw in Pogba and Bruno Fernandes, I think that's as formidable as any in the Premier League. And it really worked uh, against Sheffield United, didn't it? Pogba oh, yeah. and, you know, Otley hasn't really played those four players. I think Martial, Rashford, Greenwood, Pogba Pog- uh, and uh, Fernandes, you know, all yeah. featured. And it's not often that he's done that. And I know it's only against the team that have got one point bottom of the table, Pete, but I mean, mm. Pogba played well enough and as well as I've seen him play in a long time. Oh, yeah, he was fantastic. And he was great, actually, really came on in, in Leipzig as well. Um, and he he helped United, you know, get within a whisker of another comeback away from home. But the thing is with with Pogba is that Solskjaer doesn't trust him to do the defensive work, which is the issue. And in in big games against bigger teams, Solskjaer goes more conservative. So he plays Fred and McTominay, for example, together. And that's the issue. There's no con- no continuity when you're chopping and changing week in week out. It's not just the eleven; it's the formation that's different every week. If if he has if he has the gall 
to to have a you know to go toe to toe with Bielsa against Leeds and play Pogba and Fernandez in midfield, it could well work because Pogba's in good form, and you've got to reward a player like that who's such a confidence player. Mm. If he's in good form, then then play him. The problem is this is this is whether he'll have whether he'll actually be willing to do that and and take the risk at home you'd like to think he would but mm. evidence suggests he might not do just finally then Ants, you mentioned dean henderson a little bit earlier on in the podcast Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said that he penciled dean henderson in to start this game against sheffield united which is interesting because it makes you wonder how long he's been planning it for if that is the case and he's planning ahead as to which goalkeepers to use in the games over the christmas period would he have planned to put Dean Henderson in again against Leeds United in a huge game? Or do you think he'll revert back to the experience of, of David De Gea? I mean, it's an interesting term, really. It, it's something that you use in a very loose business meeting, isn't it? I'll pencil you in for the 13th for a coffee. right? I mean, it's just kind of like, I might go, I might not. I don't really care. Um, and I, I wonder if possibly that was just simply a reference to the fact that, you know what, I know this game will mean a hell of a lot to you. And I'm just going to, you know, whatever else is going to go on at the start of the season, I'm going to pencil you in for that game. And also possibly, you know, uh, De Gea might have a wedding on or something, you know. Well, probably not a wedding. <laughs> and going on what's happening now. But, you know, so I, I think we could very easily uh, read a lot into it. I think Pete's exactly right. He did bail them out of it um, after that mess up at the beginning. And I, again, that's just an issue of, like, the, the ball getting stuck under his feet and this whole thing where... You know, one or two players have come into the Premier League, started playing in a certain way, so all the managers insist their goalkeepers can do it without really stopping to think about, you know, what even, you know, what if they can kick a ball, you know, how much control they've got, all those things. Now, having been a goalkeeper myself, I can tell you we all think we can, but there's a difference between that and and being able to do that. Um, but he, he definitely pulled them out. I just want to pick up on one thing that that Pete said about like. That if it had gone on for another few minutes, and if they'd taken their chances, and if, but you know what, all these ifs, and United still came out on top, and the, the, I'm starting to think of you know, is that not the sign of like, you know, a, a, an actual team that's in, dare I say it, championship winning form, when you can play badly and get a result. Mm. I don't think United played that badly, to be honest. I think Manchester United actually played pretty well. But again, those individual errors and Dean Henderson's yeah. a young man, isn't he? He's going to make mistakes. And when you're but a that's, goalkeeper, that's... they're magnified so much more than the normal outfield player if they made a mistake. Yeah, I think that it just depends how, how you put it all together. For example, like, you know, at, at the minute un, uh, under Pep, you know, City could be winning 7-0 and if they concede a goal, he'll be furious because he, he wants to build up that confidence in the defence and that... that, that um, that structure and that confidence and get that defense right and so um it comes down to and we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll touch on it again when we maybe pick up on arsenal later the problem of discipline you know whatever else is going on the fact that they're consistently getting red cards during the game there is an issue there and mm. so the, the, there are certain things that you need to look at but yes you, you, you know and, and i mean that that ball from pogba was it for the second goal it was, you know, Kevin De Bruyne would be kind of going, you know, applauding that one because it was just sublime. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I've heard a lot of people this week saying, oh, can Pogba play, you know, can he still do a job at United? Can he play as well? And it's like, yeah, yes, he can. He, can. Yeah. he absolutely can. He's got it in buckets. He's got his, I think the question is, is will he be played in a way that gives him the opportunity to do that? And I think it's the carry on with Paul Pogba. We've mentioned it on Football Social Daily over the years as well that, 
you know, Paul Pogba seems like a really nice lad and there's no doubt in his talent, but off the field you do get baggage, um, often in the form of a rather portly agent that often is alongside him. Anyway, Manchester United versus Leeds United, 4.30pm kickoff on Sunday. For me, this is the pick of the Premier League weekend. However, if you're of uh, a Tottenham persuasion or a Leicester City persuasion, you might disagree because those two clash at 2.15pm on Sunday. The Tottenham versus Liverpool game midweek, Pete, was really exciting to watch. It was a fun watch. It was a throwback game almost. Um, Lots of people suggesting attack versus defence. But Tottenham had their chances. I think Tottenham actually, this is a bit of an unpopular opinion, I think Tottenham actually had better clear-cut chances than Liverpool in that game. I'm thinking of the likes of Harry Kane, who had a couple of good opportunities squandered. Um, But regardless of the fact that I thought Spurs had the better chances, they still ended up losing the game with Firmino's late header. Now, if Tottenham are to make sure that they don't lose ground to Liverpool at the top of the league, who have got Crystal Palace, which we'll talk about later... They're going to want to make up for that defeat and, and beat Leicester, who are another side around them in the top four. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I've, I've always seen you as the Jose Mourinho of this podcast, Niall. And, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think... What, stylish, think... sexy, miserable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah all those things. Um, and yeah, I don't think he could have put it that better himself, really. You know, he, um, he, he, he thought that the best team uh, lost uh, at Anfield, much to uh, Jurgen Klopp's hilarity. But... Um, I, I think Spurs, especially early in the in the second half, create some great chances. Mm. And if Bergwijn puts that in, um, you know, it could be oh, a different God. story. Um, and it, it was it was it, when Spurs actually did sort of, you know, Marine, Jose came with with a plan to sit back, which is which is fine and it works. We've seen it work on numerous occasions. Um, but when they do get forward in the, and with Harry Kane in this sort of deeper role deeper creative role that you know Mourinho was unlocked after mm. all these years of him being an out and out number nine um, they're a real threat um, but they've Leicester it's, 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 it's such a baffling season like Leicester, Leicester I don't think aside from the game at the Etihad I don't think they've been that good like they've lost four games is it three games four games at four, home four games this season in total I think Pete they've lost um, maybe all of them at home so yeah you're I'm pretty sure right. it's four I'm pretty sure it's four at home which at this stage is incredible and they've, again they've they've not lost necessarily teams in and around them either so you okay, you don't know what's going to I think Tottenham are one of the actual few teams this season you can actually um, rely on to, to be a bit to be a bit more stable because Jose has, has had his way with him he's got his he's got his enforcers in there hasn't he he's got his Heuberg in there mm. um, and he's got you can, a little bit more predictable than other teams um, but this is a game they will want to win um, but Leicester if they turn up like if Brendan Rodgers turns up with a master plan like he did at the Etihad, um, then he could he could easily blow Spurs away. Yeah, it's an interesting one, this, because we've spoken about Leicester this week on the podcast and even to Leicester supporters on the show where we've asked them if they genuinely think they are title contenders. And Brendan Rodgers has been quite bullish and humble at the same time by suggesting that, you know, if you look at 2016 and anything can happen, and certainly this season, um, it's a lot closer, a, a much tighter title race, if you can call it that, because there's plenty of teams that are possibly in with a shout um, of winning it this season. And I think with that Liverpool game that we were alluding to a moment ago, 
I mean, Liverpool did batter Tottenham, but I still think Tottenham had the better clear-cut chances. So it was one of those weird games where it was almost a paradox where it's hard to kind of decipher who truly was the better team, even though on face value it did look like Liverpool. Um, But as Pete rightly says, Spurs seem to have greater firepower than Leicester, fewer injuries than Leicester, um, and Leicester did lose their last game midweek to Everton uh, by a clean sheet as well. So... I mean, you'd expect Tottenham to get the job done, but it isn't as simple as that this season. Yeah, well, I, th- I think the thing is what, what you look at in terms of the way Leicester City like to play and they've got a lot of their goals, and we, we've mentioned this in, in previous shows as well, there's such this great reliance on Jamie Vardy, and Jamie Vardy relies a lot on getting in behind the defence and using his pace. And, you know, for straight even before he knows what team is coming up, you know, Josie's already decided, you know, they, they, they're they going to play defensive. And that neutral, they, they neutralized Manchester City with it. And uh, they almost did the job over Liverpool. The, the only the only thing which is the question mark is they seem quite, um, what's the word, susceptible at set pieces this season. I think that Firmino header was the eighth or maybe even the ninth goal they conceded from a set play this season, Tottenham, um, which... It, it, it is is going to be a bit of a concern because that's I think about three quarters of the goals. But yeah, if they've only conceded twelve this season in total, so if that is accurate, then you're absolutely right. A massive concern, something maybe which a lot of people aren't really focusing on. Um, we've already discussed who's probably more capable of challenging Liverpool out of the two sides. I think we all agree that it is Tottenham Hotspur, um, and the thing is that they still have Gareth Bale to come back, Pete and. You know, it's a scary thought to think that if Tottenham are doing all right without Gareth Bale firing, he's missed the last two games due to illness. I mean, if he comes back against Leicester and puts in a good shift and really starts to hit his straps again, like we've seen him do for Real Madrid and in the Premier League for Spurs the first time, I mean, if they've got a half-cooked Gareth Bale and they're still flying, I mean, seems like there's really good promising shoots there for if he does get back into form, they can be really dangerous. Oh yeah, it's it, it's such an asset to have for for Jose. He'll very much be off the bench because you, yeah, at the moment you cannot break up this partnership of of, of Son and Kane because the the way that they're working together is 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 phenomenal. And Son is in fantastic form. Harry Kane is in differently fantastic form. Um, but Bale is coming back here with a point to prove. He's not here long. He's very unlikely to sign on a permanent deal, um, given given his wage demands and, and what have you. So. He has got a point to prove after after so long in the periphery in Real Madrid. He doesn't. He didn't have to prove anything in Madrid because he won everything and he, he proved his worth there. But mm. he he does have a point to prove back here again. Um, and it's been a stop start, few opening few months for him uh, back at Spurs. So he'll be absolutely chomping at the bit when he when he's when he's back to to make a difference. And having that, I, I've sort of said this about Diego Jota as well. Like for Liverpool. Now, nowadays, especially with the games coming thick and fast like they are, having real quality off the bench is, is such can make such a, such a difference, much more of a difference than it has in in the past, for example. Mm. And and it not necessarily be frowned upon that oh he's not in the side, he's not getting games. But if you're giving if somebody's coming off the bench and giving you half an hour and can change a match, that's as good a a, a vital a, a weapon to have as as a as a firing striker from the start. 
Gareth Bale could return for Tottenham Hotspur from illness in their game against Leicester City on Sunday. Leicester expected to still be without Shaglar Soyuncu and Ricardo Pereira, but Timothy Castagna, who's been one of their impressive summer signings, is touch and go to feature. That game kicks off 2.15pm on Sunday. Time for a quick break here on Football Social Daily, but we've got Big Sam to talk about. We'll do it next after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily with me, Niall McCorn. I've got Pete Hall and Ant McGinley alongside me. And it's time to talk for the first time in over two years, lads, about Big Sam. Where's he been? He said he's had itchy feet and he's been dying to get back into the game. He actually revealed to our own Michelle Owen uh, when she was hosting um, EFL on Quest not long ago that this is the longest period he's ever had out of the game um, since he was 16 years of age when he left school. So he certainly does have itchy feet, as he previously mentioned. How do you think he'll fare, Ant, as West Brom boss? We know what Big Sam's all about. He comes in to put out fires. Do you think he'll be able to do it at West Brom? I think it's going to be very interesting, especially if we look at the teams in and around him as he comes back into, because uh, obviously you've got Sheffield United almost adrift at the bottom. Uh, Fulham, Burnley, Brighton Hove, Albion, and you know, let, let's be honest, uh, Arsenal and Newcastle. Now, out of those teams... Arsenal, Brighton and Hove Albion uh, and, and even Sheffield United have, have, have a style of football um, and, and an identity. Arsenal and Brighton obviously trying to play it a little more expansive and, and move forward and be progressive. And um, in spite of where they find themselves in the surroundings, I don't think we're going to see that from Big Sam at all. Um <laughs> Uh, I, you don't I, reckon? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a brave call. The, the, the thing is, there, there will be, you know, the, the goalkeeper will be will be sending it downfield, but not quite in the same way that we might see Edison doing it at Man City. It, it's um, like rugby, isn't it? You know, when they kick towards the corner flag in rugby to try and get a, a throw as close to the try line as possible. Big Sam plays very similarly to that. I remember watching his teams a few years ago and thinking goalkeepers smashing it long and trying to gain positive territory I suppose would be the coach's way to to describe it he'll smash it up towards the corner flag to get a throw in in the final third and hope that it comes to something the thing is I I, I've been a little unfair in my opening there when Sam really came to prominence in the common parlance if we can say was when he was in charge at Bolton and he did miracles when he was there and he had People talk about like different people that have come and revolutionised football. Um, mm. In in many ways, Sam did because he was bringing in. He, he had a room full of statisticians going over everything, pulling everything apart, and working out what and when and how. Uh, different psychologists working with the players. All these different things that took this team that had, really had no right to be into playing in Europe. And, um, you know, there was great memories and obviously it's very difficult times for, for Bolton at the minute, uh, what's happened in the last few years. But, you know, for for all that, that, that Sam has done when he's gone in to do a mm. job, he's got teams out. But underneath, underneath that ability to, like, pull a team together and get them through, you know, he does have a, a, a great analytical mind and an ability to break things down. I think that's fair, and I think it would be harsh for us to say that you know he is just this tub thumper. Um, when we have seen his side at Bolton with some of the players they had, like you know Hierro, 
Ivan Campo, JJ Kocha, yeah. playing decent football. But that was 20 years ago. He's 66 now. I mean, he would have been in his mid-40s then. And like you say, football has changed dramatically. I think even over the last five years in the Premier League, it is totally different um, to what we used to see in the top flight of English football. No doubt due to the impact of Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp and the way that they've brought their style to the English game. Um, I suppose the question for me, Pete, is, you know, we've discussed already this week about whether the sacking of Bilic was harsh or not. At the end of the day, he's gone. Big Sam's come in. His job is to keep West Brom up. Let's just say he does keep West Brom in the Premier League. Does he Does he have the skills, the tools there at that football club to keep them a Premier League side and develop a style of play? Because, you know... It must be quite taxing to, to to watch that style of football over and over again. Well, the thing is, I think he does have the ability within himself to to keep a uh, a team in the Premier League, and we've we've all seen his, his track record of doing that. You know, he's even admitted uh, this week that he is seen as the man for the great escape. But you have to have the tools with which to do it, and you look mm-hmm. at that. You look at that West Brom squad. And you look at the summer recruitment or lack of it, um, and I just don't think he. I don't think he. I don't think he has the players for it. Like you, West, well, what you have to remember is last season West Brom scraped promotion as mm. well. They nearly With, blew it, didn't they? They nearly blew it, and they were in bad form towards the end of last season, and they scraped through through uh, other teams not getting the results. Brentford, for example. Um, and it was clear that that squad was only just about good enough for promotion. So therefore, it would need some big investment in the summer to make it a, a Premier League standard of side. But they didn't get the players that Bilic wanted. Um, and they, they, got, they got a few. They got Dean Garner on the permanent deal, which, which, which was great business. But otherwise, in terms of big signings that were going to make a difference, Bilic was having to work with pretty much the same players that brought him... Uh, that, that got them promotion, who were only just good enough for promotion. So I, I don't mm. understand what he was really supposed to do. So yeah. it's going to take a monumental effort uh, from Big Sam to, to to turn that around and and get that. You know, he, he's built his um, his great escapes on making teams hard to beat in the past. But if you if your defenders aren't good enough, how are you going to do that? West Brom have conceded the most goals in the Premier League this season. So certainly making them more difficult to beat will be a point of paramount importance for Big Sam Allardyce, who's replaced Slavin Bilic, who was sacked no fewer than 14 (laughs) hours after a 1-1 draw away at the Etihad. His playing against Manchester City really got that bad, Ant McGinley. (laughs) We'll talk about Man City shortly. First of all, on this game, West Brom against Aston Villa, it is a rivalry, so there will be a desire to win the game. Um, Not so much as West Brom against Wolves or Villa versus Birmingham City, but it is two Midlands teams doing battle. Villa were frustrated against Burnley in the nil-nil draw. 27 shots they had midweek, Ant, which is the most shots by any side in a Premier League game for two years without scoring a goal. Um, They should have won the game. They had the chances to do it. They didn't take them. They've got two games in hand, so it might be a little bit too soon to say where they're going to finish. But those are the sort of games where if they are going to make a real challenge for the Europa League spots and maybe even the top four, they have to win them. Yeah, I mean, that statistic has been flying around and it's a hell of a one as well. And, you know, maybe maybe that is just an actual uh, reflection rather than like how... um, 
uh, how you know poor the finishing was for example just like how great Burnley's defending was and shot stopping perhaps <laughs> you can look at it in that way as well and give a, a little bit of praise to to Sean Dyche and the guys but look look at it this way as well like had, had they had they got that result had they got one of those goal, shots going I think that would have moved them up to eighth and you know considering considering this scrape and and the stumble and the almost asthmatic way they got through last season you know I, I, I think you know it, things are very very positive around Aston Villa right now at Villa yeah. Park I think it's it's a it's there's a great atmosphere there's a there's a great energy about it they are very much uh, you know a, a club in the ascendancy and um, it, it's something that they've not had for a few years they know it, it, certainly within the Midlands Wolves have taken that crown um mm. so I, so i think you know it, it, in this situation it's like you know it, this is really going to be uh, you know it, it's almost like the easiest <laughs> bet you would ever make going into it if you just look at recent form but you know some that new manager impact I, I i do have to say as well that was a it was a, a great result that um west brom did manage to pull out against my team man city it was unexpected um and and the, the, you know they not only did they get the goal but then they held it together and there was a chance earlier in the the first half they could have even taken the lead as well so mm. it's just the odd chance here and there but such is football and such are championships and relegations are decided upon it um, yeah I, I I think possibly with a new manager bounce <laughs> if you can have that I mean they can't they can't really go any further down so the only way really <laughs> is up for them. Well, we'll see how they get on in Big Sam's first game as West Brom boss. The Baggies take on Aston Villa, 7.15pm kickoff on Sunday. Let's talk about Manchester City then, Ant. Your team, they take on Southampton at St Mary's at 3 o'clock on Saturday. Although I know you have a bit of a soft spot for Southampton, which makes my skin cruel. (laughs) But anyway, regardless of that, Man City will have your affiliation, I'm sure, for this game. Um, If you are going to challenge Liverpool once again and sort of reclaim the Premier League title, let's say, um, you can't afford to lose against Southampton if you really want to challenge, surely. I mean, I'll be honest, we, we can't really afford to, to lose any more games, you know, just in terms of where we are. Yeah, again, if things had gone a different way, we'd been a little bit closer. Blah, 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 blah. You know, we're still, it's it's a weird season. It, it is very evocative um, of the 2016 season um, when, when Leicester came to fruition and... Um, there was another season I was trying to think of the other day where it just felt like everybody was beating everybody else. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm excited, to be honest, with, with all the things that have changed, with all the problems that we've had with VAR, with all the problems that we've had with thinking we might be able to go to a game, then not being able to go to a game, and then um, all the other issues that have happened this year. One blessing for me, in many ways, is the fact that we don't have a runaway leader at the minute. You know, it's still incredibly tight all across all across the thing apart from possibly uh, Sheffield United at the bottom um yeah I I lived in Southampton for four or five years and and uh went to see them a couple of times when Van Dyke was there and uh yeah so I I do have a little bit of soft spot for them which was completely eradicated uh the last time we played them and Shea Adams chipped Edison from was it the halfway line of the center circle um so that's gone now all the good favor but you know what's happening at Southampton is is brilliant. It's really exciting to see. There's some some great things going there. They, they've always been, 
you know, had had this thing for many years about the youth team and bringing them through in that circle of life where they would sell the players on and, and then just instantly replace them with somebody else. Uh, really nice to see them having one of the, the players that only, I think he only played five games for them before they sold him off uh, coming back. And an absolutely delightful chip from Walcott, who's been a bit hit and miss in, in the last three seasons with, with Everton and then uh, when he's come down to Southampton. But just showing off the you know Walker at his best that little turn of pace and and that great finish i think um when hassan came in um to southampton i don't think a lot of people were familiar with him or what he did he had this great reputation but people were still like oh don't really know much about it um much has gone been made about the fact that southampton stuck with him even after like some very dodgy uh results but it, it's incredible. It's really exciting to see what is happening there. And re- I'm feeling a bit queasy. Can you stop? <laughs> um, seriously, no. I'll put my Pompey fan hat on and say, and you can be as, as uh, blunt as you like, Pete, are Southampton really that good? Or as we've previously mentioned, has everyone else just not been up to scratch so far this campaign? Compared to the table last year with the points they've got right now, they'd be in and around the 6th and 7th mark. So they'd still be doing well, but they wouldn't be in the lofty heights that they are at the moment. So is that is that unfair for me to suggest? Or is that a point that I'm entitled to make? I thought uh, I thought um, Southampton's were everyone, everyone's second team now, isn't, it? isn't that true? I'm not sure. But um, anyway, um, I, with, with Southampton, I think even if there's 6th and 7th, like you say, like you know, in other years, that's still, that's still lofty for, for Southampton. I think sure. the a prime example, I'm sorry, it's further praise for Southampton. You, you asked, so I'm going to tell you. Um, uh, it's, it's a prime example of a fantastically coached side. They bought next to nobody in the summer. Um, they've got an Everton reject that they turned back into a, a six, like the 16-year-old like he was when he was first at the club in Theo Walcott um, and he's he's just made good players that bit better look at Che Adams for example and look at the progress mm-hmm. that he's made this season he's been absolutely fantastic the last few weeks um, and that is what happens when a manager puts faith in you like his long goal drought that was like Ant says was, was ended by that fantastic goal from 40 yards against City um, his, his manager stuck by him as, as, he's, as he continued to miss chance after chance um, and it's paying off and that's that's an example of uh, of the fantastic coach that Hassan Hootl is, and um, mm. he's he's a, a prime candidate for for a, a bigger job. Um, and not there are many bigger clubs than Southampton out there, Niall. Um, but um, <laughs> stop <he's>, it! <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just a, a prime example of a fantastic coach who's who's at the right place and has got the, mm. the the backing of everybody behind him and. Everything's going well at the moment, but I think we've said this before in the fact that it's very much a, I think Southampton are very much a club that if they do lose Hassan Hootl, then uh, the the manager coming in after them has got a monumental task to Mm. maintain the progress that he's made. Can't deny they are doing well. Ralph Rabbit Hutch, his Southampton side takes on uh, Boldy's Manchester City, 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff. Um, talking about Theo Walcott, what about this? The Theo Walcott derby, Everton versus Arsenal, 5:30 kickoff on Saturday. Considering Arsenal's form, Pete, should Everton be expected to win this one, or is it not quite that bad yet for the Gunners? <laughs> uh, it, it is that bad. It really is that bad. Like um, crisis gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it? At football these days. Um, but Arsenal really truly are in, in, in a crisis. If you've got mm. 
if you've got players that are that are reportedly uh, not speaking to the manager behind the scenes, uh, you're the striker that you begged and begged and begged all summer to stay and and, th- and threw an open checkbook at him to stay and he can't score a goal. Um, you're conceding goals left, right, and centre. You can't win at home. Um, and you've you've got this squad of uh, uh, William is just a prime example of of how poor the recruitment has been uh, at Arsenal mm. when you're giving a player that Chelsea wouldn't give a one year contract to, uh, sorry, wouldn't give more than a one year contract to. So Arsenal came along and said, oh, "We'll give you three uh, on you know two hundred <laughs> two hundred twenty grand a week." It's absolutely ridiculous business, and he's been awful because he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to be particularly good because he's sat on a three year contract. He can sit um, with Arsenal's. Um, with the most expensive pay, expensively paid social media manager in the world in Mesut Ozil and, and sit in sit in the uh, in the stands and, and tweet some uh, tweet something about Gunnosaurus and take take home Piers Morgan yeah, yeah Piers Morgan and Gunnosaurus and take home two hundred twenty grand a week it's, it's <laughs> they are they are in an absolute mess uh, and it's all their own making and Mikel Arteta um, you know. He is a good coach, I, I, from from all intents and purposes. You can't mm. not be if you've sat along Pep Guardiola, alongside Pep Guardiola for three years. If 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 you put me next to Pep Guardiola for three years and just and just listen to him, I think I'd learn something. Um, yeah. but, but if they lose Everton, Pete, is he gone? I mean, I don't no. think they will sack him, but should they? Uh, that's a good question because he won't go. Certainly not. Um, He's he he's been very good in uh, his press conferences and the fact he's talked himself up so well that he's he's created this illusion that um, he he is he, he is revolutionising the club um, and the, he won't but he won't go he won't go uh, whether he should or not is a different issue if that was anyone else if that if that wasn't this Pep Guardiola disciple that he's that he's um, that he's seen as then may may he may well have gone because uh, mm. he's let's be honest he's not done a very good job uh, and no. and he has had money to spend. And has he spent it wisely? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. They this, this, this spent a fair bit on that squad, um, mm. and and they've not they've not got rid of a lot of the deadwood in there either. So recruitment wise, yeah. they're a long way off from where they need to be. And um, Everton should expect to win, really, because considering they've found them found form themselves again. Yeah, no Gabriel for Arsenal either because yet again, another red card for the Gunners in their last Premier League game. That's now seven red cards in the top flight in the last 12 months, more than double of any other side. Um, Ridiculous, really. How do they stop it? Because, I mean, indiscipline is one thing, but carelessness, frustration and other things creeping in is another thing. But the stats don't lie. They keep getting red cards and it keeps costing them games. I mean, Mikel Arteta, once he's sent those players over the white line there's not a lot he can do he's not coaching them to get sent off so there must be something fundamentally wrong there which needs to be addressed because it's really affecting the Gunners well first and foremost what's fundamentally wrong about it is Arsenal have had more red cards than I've had Christmas cards so that that, <laughs> that really needs sorting out I, I think I think I think part of it's in the culture of the club though like Pete's just pointed out you've got these incredible big name players that are just sat around doing nothing taking home a pay packet and it's no different you know there's no there seems to be no incentive for them to do that the culture of the club is such that they're literally left out in the cold and so that does not um e- even before you start reading the rumors of, of players not speaking to each other and or speaking to the manager 
that is not conducive to a great environment you just have to do a basic management training course at work to learn this you know communication is key and the, it's one thing right it's one thing when you have um a last ditch tackle and you you take that calculated decision and kind of go i'm going to take one for the team you know to to do that or you have um, that moment of just absolute like Roy Keane terrier passion to fire things up and get things going, like in, in that situation it's a different way. But what what we saw, especially with that that Gabriel one, like was it two yellow cards in as many minutes, and it was just such mm. a, such a weak way to give that away. Well, one for kicking the ball away, and one for dragging someone back on the halfway line. Yeah, Theo Walcott when they're about to launch a counter. And, it's just and, and I don't want to say schoolboy because I've never played the game at a professional level, so I know it's our job to sit here and analyse and sometimes criticise. But I've never played professional football, but even I can sit here and say foolish naive stupid idiotic i mean think of any other words you want to think of because you know being sent off it's the last thing arsenal need right now yeah the the thing is let's be honest there's been a lot of changes in football in the last few years and things have you know ever since euro 2016 when they when they sort of changed it so that you just needed one person in the center circle to kick off which got i didn't see coming i was like what's happening (laughs) you know so so there are things that happen in football that you, you can just miss but you know the fact is you look at when gabriel sent off and he doesn't believe he's in complete disbelief he doesn't understand how he's been sent off as if he's never played the game before never watched a game and doesn't understand the rules and you know the mm. the thing is all right yes walcott's gone down a little bit easily but he's got both hands on his shoulders the bit of an and he's pulled him down just as he's on his way to run off and score again and mm. it's it's so obvious it's so obvious but gabriel just seems to it's not even play acting yeah. it's complete dis but he doesn't understand it and and that seems just how does that happen how do you get yeah. to that I mean, stage exactly and you know i think arsenal's form right now and everton's start to the season makes this a more exciting game than it probably would have initially been at the start of the season 5:30 kickoff on saturday interestingly enough against leicester city Carlo Ancelotti dropped Jordan Pickford and the Toffees did keep a clean sheet in their 2-0 victory over the Foxes. So I do wonder whether Pickford's place um, will be now up for grabs. I think it was Olsen who replaced him uh, between the sticks. So it'd be interesting to see whether he starts against the Arsenal. Time for our final break of the podcast now and still some exciting games to talk about, including the bottom team and the top team both in action. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. To hear the latest Premier League news for your team, just ask Open Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss another episode of the podcast. Again, new shows seven days a week right throughout the season, including Christmas. Uh, so make sure you hit the subscribe button and that way you won't miss a single episode. Time to zip down to Selhurst Park now, which is the first game of the weekend. Kicks off at 12.30 on Saturday. Sorry, Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool are the opposition and he's in the early kickoff slot again. I wonder what he'll be saying to BT Sport on this occasion. Crystal Palace, though, in good form. Do you think they can cause an upset, though, Pete, like they did in 2014? I'm thinking back to uh, what's colloquially known as Cristambul, when uh, it was a 3-3 draw in the season that, of course, Steven Gerrard slipped. Everyone will point at the Gerrard slip, but this was a an important result um, in terms of derailing Liverpool's title charge in that com- campaign. 
Uh, do you think Palace are in good enough form to cause Liverpool any problems at the weekend? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and first of all, um, 2020 has been a strange old year for many, many reasons. Um, but also, um, the, one of the weirdest things that has happened is Christian Benteke scoring goals again. <laughs> I wonder whether you're going to say yeah. that. He's Unbelievable. Doing, I don't know how he's doing it. He's. Do you see that header at West Ham? Absolutely fantastic. He's. He's basically has been a post for the last two years at Palace to, to aim at and Will Sahar to run off. And he's, I don't even think he's hit the target for about 18 months. And then all of, <laughs> all of, us, all of a sudden, he's, he's scoring week after week in consecutive away games. Um, remarkable. And if, if Benteke is, uh, is, is completely thrown me off, uh, I'm, 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 I've, all, I've been done with 2020 for a while, but this has is, this is finished me off. I, just can't, I can't explain it. Christian Benteke scoring goals is, is, is just remarkable. And, and a what, a what a game for him to uh, start firing the goals at the Sellers Park if he does it against his former club. Well, I think, um, was, was it not the last team to beat Liverpool at Anfield? I know this game's at Selhurst Park. But was that not um, a game in which Christian Benteke scored a bicycle kick against his former yeah. club? So yeah, memory, how strange it's all uh, it's all coming round again. Um, Full circle. Exactly. Um, is it Liverpool's title to lose already? And they're top of the table. They're, they're, they're clear now of Tottenham by a couple of points. Um, they've had their injuries. They've managed to get through it, even though they've still got players to come back. Um, is it their title to lose or was it always that way, even despite everything that's gone on? Um, I, I think it is. And I think they could lose it as well because uh, Klopp, when he was talking, they came out of that Premier League's um, club managers meeting or whichever, whoever went to that meeting and said, no more, you know, you can't have any more uh, substitutes. Um, Klopp was furious. And, it, you know, three times now he's been really, and I think he's starting to feel like they've managed incredibly well. Like this Chris Wilder been... definitely had the deciding vote. That's <laughs> yeah, what wound uh, yeah. you and Klopp. Um, it's, it's been... It's been really difficult for for them this season because they've had all those things, all those questions that we would have said like, well, what if they didn't have Van Dijk? What if this happened? What if that happened? Mm. You know, what if and and you know they, they've been relatively lucky in the last couple of seasons with their injuries, and it's almost like they've all come at once. I wonder what could be the cause of that. Anyway, mm. um, so I, I I think the fact is though, it's really tested them to the limit, and so Klopp's looking ahead and kind of going, well, you know. We've got more of this coming, you know. We've got more of these games. We've got a little break from Europe, but we have like uh, cup matches coming in now, and and then we're back into Europe. So if we're going to com- keep that campaign, and we don't have the breathing space that we had this time last season, like mm. he's looking, they really can't afford to have any more injuries. Yes, uh, uh, g- good news in that um, the, there's a couple of players lined up to be back on the bench. Um, the guy they signed off from uh, Thiago looks like he's going to be back after that knee injury, at least on the bench uh, this weekend. Who's, you know, he's been great to see. It's just been unfortunate he picked up that injury uh, relatively quickly. But that's the thing, you know, we, we haven't mm. seen this before. And, and Klopp has managed the situation very well, but he yeah. just seems a little bit tense and on edge. Yeah, well, I mean, he wants to win. He's a, he's a winner, isn't he, Jurgen Klopp? And they don't lose many games, Liverpool, so you can see why he blows his top when they do don't get the result or they do not win occasionally. Um, you mentioned Thiago. If he is back in the fold, it'd be interesting because he's, along with uh, three other teammates that wear red shirts of Liverpool that have been named in the FIFA men's side of the year for 2020, Alisson, Thiago 
um, Alexander Arnold and Virgil van Dijk and Kevin De Bruyne also in there as well from a Premier League perspective. Palace versus Liverpool, the early kickoff on Saturday. Time to jump now to the early kickoff on Sunday, which takes place at the Amex, where Brighton welcomes Sheffield United, a Sheffield United side who have officially now made the worst start to a season of any club ever. Since 1888, 132 years ago, when league football in this country was formed. It's a stinking statistic. One point after 13 games. As you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, you were there at Bramall Lane against Manchester United, Pete. They tried hard. I mean, they just didn't look quite good enough. The players they had just didn't look quite good enough. No doubt in the effort and the intensity and the endeavour. Are they good enough to survive? Eight points adrift after 13 games? I mean, anything could happen in this season, can't it? But um, I think what, what, why they're why they've struggled so far this season is that they they're just trying the same things that they did last season, and it, it worked last season with the overlapping overlapping centre backs and and that the sort of high intensity, high pressing game that they played because they were a relative unknown in the Premier League, um, and it worked a treat, and and that's why Chris Wilder got a success, but the. Jack O'Connell being injured is a, a big, big loss to them. They're a different side without him. Mm. Um, and the, 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 the players that were doing it for them last season have just not turned up this season. And it could easily turn around. Well, I think I, 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 a few Sheffield United co- uh, fan colleagues who've sort of said they're not too worried, plainly, plainly because in a lot of games, and, they, and it's true, in a lot of games, they've created the chances to just not putting them away. Yeah, Fleck had a really good one, didn't he, against yeah, Manchester United, which he should have scored. Was, yeah, I was just about to say, in like fifty, you know, fifteen minutes in against United, already one nil up. Flex scores that two nil. United's heads drop. He could easily go on to win that game, and he should have scored. But th- that's not the first time this season that's happened. Mm-hmm. And against even against, I think it was, I think it was Tottenham earlier on in the season. They battered them early on, and they created lots of chances. And they've done it against a lot of teams this season that are just not putting the chances away. But it's as as the, as as my colleagues were saying, it's it's more of a worry if you're not creating the chances. Um, they, if all they need is a few of those chances to you know even the deflection and a couple of win a couple of wins and and they're right back up there again. It's too yeah. early to tell. It's too early to tell. But um, they do need to start to start getting the results, and it just needs that ugly win. Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning, as you say, we are at the Christmas period now where the fixtures are more intense and packed closer together than they normally are throughout the course of the season. But we did start the season five weeks later than usual. So normally at this stage, we're kind of 17, 18 games into a season. Right now, we're only 13, 14 games in. So we are a few games behind the usual schedule, let's just say, for this time of year. So you know, all of this top at Christmas, bottom at Christmas stuff might not be as relevant as perhaps it has been in previous seasons. So that's worth bearing in mind. As for Brighton and Hove Albion, Pete mentions Sheffield United creating chances. Brighton do create chances, uh, but they have the feeling of one of those nearly ran teams. And what I mean by that, Ant, is that they're good between both boxes, but rubbish inside them. For some reason, everything between the edge of each 18-yard box is working really, really well. They keep conceding goals. They can't score goals kind of typified by the nil-nil against Fulham midweek. Remind me a little bit of Norwich last season. They're going to have their moments and have their flashes, but they need to do more. Yeah, I, I think one thing that's going to count uh, in, in their favour a little bit is Sheffield United really, not just this season, but last season as well, have just lacked that firepower. So at the minute, Sheffield United's top scorer is David McGoldrick, who scored nearly as many goals as Ollie McBurney did the entirety of last season. Um, and Sheffield United have not exactly been on fire this season either. Um, in, in terms of uh, Brighton and the whole album, 
Albion. Albion. Uh, they, they they do have like players in that team uh, that can score. Yes, they haven't been, but we we've seen some some beautiful moments from them throughout last season and this season so far as well. I mean, Trossard has hit the woodwork, I think it's four or five times. He's got the record for the most times this season. <laughs> most Obviously of them in the United did... game, in the first game of the yeah. season, I think. You, you you don't get any points for that other than just a quirky little stat to be read out and things like that. Uh, but, you know, so so they're close. They're getting the, the, those shots in. Um, they, they've had a couple of dodgy uh, penalty moments as well. But I, I do believe that within that team they have... Um, they have the ability to score a goal. The, the problem that they have is mm. until this season, generally, and, and uh, it's just not been as robust. Sheffield United are really good at defending. Um, so, I mean, this this you're exactly right. This could be the opportunity for uh, Sheffield United to, to to get some points, or it could just end up being uh, nullifying and cancelling each other out. But. Mm. I, I think it's just a, a, a very interesting position. The, these two teams, especially if we look at wh- where they are at this stage in the season, uh, you know, over a quarter through the season, almost a third into the season now, and um, the, the, the Brighton just above the relegation zone, Sheffield yeah. United almost cut adrift, and yet both managers seem to be very um, comfortable, and there's a lot of confidence. Well, Graham in them. Potter got a massive bump a new contract, didn't he, midway through last season? I'll be honest. I think the Seagulls are going to get sucked into the relegation mix. I really do. I don't think I've seen enough from them to show me why they're going to stay up. I mean, people say that there's got to be three sides worse than them. I think Sheffield United played better against Man United than Brighton did against Fulham. That's just a personal opinion. Game kicks off at 12 o'clock on Sunday. Final game we're going to talk about takes place at St. James's Park. Eight o'clock, the evening kickoff on Saturday. They take on Fulham, another side battling relegation. Newcastle fans, Pete, really fed up now with Steve Bruce. The media and several pundits on TV can't understand why Newcastle fans are fed up with Steve Bruce. But I can. I can see why. And if you look into it a little bit more forensically, it's understandable why they're so wound up. It seems like he sapped the life out of the football club, which is a hard thing to do with a bunch as passionate as those Newcastle fans. Yeah, um, it's a strange one, this, isn't it? It is... You look at the league table and the points that they've got. Should Newcastle fans be upset? No, but like like you said, it's not just a results based game, is it? That um, there's more to it than that. And the the points that they've got, they've they've scraped on on occasion. The football that they have played has not been pretty. And I, I think Bruce hasn't really helped himself as well in the way that he's he's responded to the criticism. And He's the, the the things that he's tried to blame, and he's not accepted that certain elements of his of his style of play are, are, are not what fans want to see. Mm. Whether it whether it whether it means um, sacrificing a couple of league positions, so be it. At, at certain certain times, you have to show a little bit more than than grinding out one one draws or maybe the odd one nil victory. Um, I, I, I actually I had high hopes for Newcastle this season because I thought they had a decent uh, summer transfer window, mm, and um, I, and I think certain players, Callum Wilson, for example, at, at times has, has looked particularly good, um, but it, it has to come down to to above that, to above the players, and the style of play and the and the system that, that Steve Bruce instills. It's such a tough one because 
it's you careful what you wish for, isn't it? Because if you if sure. you do if you do get another manager in who plays a bit more exciting, you could easily go down, especially in this most crazy of, of leagues. I, I personally would would give, especially especially given the year that it's been and the way the football is at the moment, I'd, I'd give him perhaps a little more time because yes, it's not going that fantastically, but it's also not going that bad. I think it's a really good point that Pete, because if you look at the managers in the Premier League um, right now. Big Sam in a job in the Premier League, Sean Dyche, Steve Bruce, and then you look at the likes of Eddie Howe, who's out of a job and got Bournemouth relegated but highly rated, Graham Potter, Brighton not doing great, Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, supposed to be this progressive manager, not doing particularly well. So sometimes the grass isn't always greener, as you rightly say, but a fascinating situation up there in the northeast with Steve Bruce. And I do wonder how loud the noise will get from those Toon fans before something does eventually come to boiling point. Maybe it won't happen at all. They take on Fulham, meanwhile, Ants, who seem to have improved under Scotty Parker. Um, they'll know now that they have a real chance of getting out of the relegation zone. And if they can string a few wins together over this hectic period, um, that'll stand them in really good stead for the next part of the season. Yeah, massive for them. Newcastle versus Fulham, 8pm Saturday. And with that, that rounds off all of Saturday's and Sunday's games previewed here on Football Social Daily. Don't forget, there are a couple of games on Monday, but we'll talk about those on Monday morning's podcast because, as we always tell you, we are a a seven-day-a-week operation here at Football Social Daily. So hit subscribe, and that way you won't ever miss an episode and you can stay bang up to date with all the latest Premier League news, views, gossip and opinions. I've been Niall McCorn. Thanks very much for listening to the show. Um, that's me done now for Christmas and New Year. So hopefully you gentlemen have a have a smashing time. Um, sticking to all the rules put in place, I hope. Um, anything exciting planned? Any games you've got uh, lined up over the Christmas period, Pete? Uh, I'm doing all of you, all of Man United's games till the end of the year now, and God knows what's going to happen. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely <laughs> no idea. I'm very much looking forward to Sunday. That sh- that sh- that should be. That should be really good. Could be six all, couldn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. And what about you, Ants? Have you got your Christmas dance playlist sorted out? Yeah, well, I'm putting together a special uh, playlist for the Premier League uh, this season, what it's been like. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Sarah McLachlan and Delirium Remember Silence from 2006. (laughs) That seems most appropriate. 
The only one I can think of is Sandstorm, and I, I, that's only because I'm not a massive dance music fan. Anyway, we've completely run our course on today's podcast. Thanks very much, Pete. Thank you, Ant. Thank you for listening, and uh, make sure you hit subscribe. Fergal and the gang will be back on Sunday with a full review of all the weekend's games. But that's it for now. We'll speak to you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Social. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.